Hello there, I'm Patrick Strode. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today I'm joined by Gaurav Basin, Managing Director of Allied Advisors, a Silicon Valley-based investment banking firm with team members in Irvine, Tel Aviv, and Mumbai. Allied Advisors specializes in M&A advisory services for middle market companies, particularly in the technology space. Now, a brief discussion on how we met, Gaurav, is you engaged Rubicon to provide rep and warranty for a client of yours that was being acquired by its commercial partner. Ultimately, the deal closed, but what stood out were the lessons on the role of an investment banker such as yourself in getting a complacent buyer to take action and how important it is to have an advisor in your corner particularly where there's a massive buyer, a thousand times larger than its target company. And the negotiations, and I put those in air quotes, the negotiations between those parties uh, at that different size can be, let's say, a bit one-sided. Gaurav, welcome to the podcast. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. Pleasure to be speaking to you. Before we get into you and Allied Advisors, let's set the table and describe the deal that we're talking about uh, that brought us together. Yeah, Patrick, happy to. Um, so first of all, thanks for stepping in on that deal. I know our, our client was uh, was quite happy with uh, the work you had done on the reps and warranty insurance for them. Um, so how we got engaged with that company was uh, they were a software company which was uh, in a commercial partner with the eventual buyer for a long period of time. Uh, our client didn't have a big sales team, so a lot of their revenue was coming from this commercial partner. The commercial partner had told our client that they would uh, buy them at some point, but uh, after several years of hearing this, our client got a bit tired and engaged uh, us as advisor. When we got engaged, what we did is after talking to the commercial partner slash eventual buyer, we quickly realized that there was no sense of urgency on their behalf to move forward. So what I suggested to my client is we should reach out to other buyers in the sector and um, and generate interest. We prepared some materials. We reached out to other buyers. And uh, luckily for us, we got a couple of buyers interested in the company. And uh, we got some offers as well. Uh, once uh, this happened, we let the commercial partner know that we have multiple parties interested and also let them know that some of these parties actually competed with this buyer and didn't want to support them post-transaction. Uh, post uh, what this did is uh, it basically got the commercial partner uh, worried about losing access to the technology, which was um, supporting a big product line of theirs. Um, and in the end, we ended up getting a term sheet, which was a pretty attractive valuation and eventually uh, got this complacent buyer to move forward and close uh, the acquisition with my client on on terms that my client was pretty happy with. The interesting thing that I didn't realize on that is you have a organization there where they, they had a situation where the, the target was attractive because it was something that they had been outsourcing to and they probably figured they'd get a more favorable economic uh, outcome if they just brought them in-house. But then... I guess they had the feeling, well, why buy the buy the cow if we can get the milk? Maybe not for free, but we don't have to spend as much as it costs to buy the cow. So it was a decision that they can put off as long as they wanted. And unfortunately, that, that leaves that private merging tech company 
kind of dangling out there. And that's, that's not a cool place to be. So it's great that you came and you got him out there, got a highlight on him, and that definitely increased uh, the interest level. Yeah, I, I should agree with you. I think, you know, the fear of missing out uh, was what sort of prompted them to move forward. You know, they didn't want to lose this partner. Um, and our partner, frankly, our client also wanted liquidity. You know, they've been doing this for a long period of time. So it was, uh, you know, good for us to, to, to get that to come to a conclusion that worked for our client. Well, let's define the market that we're both actually targeting because you don't want to be all things to all people necessarily because there's a real true value that you can bring in particular segments if you focus on niches. Tell me, you know, about your target with the middle market with the emphasis on technology as opposed to all other, you know, flavors of business out there. Yeah, happy to. So Allied Advisor is 100% technology. That's all we do uh, is uh, is technology. One of the things, Patrick, you've been in the Valley for a long period of time, and most of the exits that companies have is through M&A. In fact, over 97% of the exits over the last five years have been through M&A compared to IPO. That's really where we focus in is on M&A. I've done IPOs before at larger banks, but uh, by and large for the last decade, I've only been working on M&A. The next thing we do is we focus on middle market. Uh, broadly speaking, middle market, you know, we f- target deals below 150 million. I would say uh, the bulk of our deals tend to be below the $100 million range. Um, if you look at the size of the market, you know, there were about 2,500 tech deals annually below $100 million. Um, so as you can expect and imagine, there's a lot of transactions which are happening in that space. And what happens in, in this $150 million and below market is that it's an underserved market. Uh, a lot of the larger banks, due to their infrastructure and cost, tend to go for bigger deals uh, because that generates bigger fee for them. But what happens is in this lower middle market, um, a lot of the banks kind of lose attention or don't play focus on it. Or worse, you may have uh, a young uh, associate or a VP drive your deal and kind of learn on the client's nickel. So we we specialize in this space. And I think uh, in this space, uh, you want to have experienced advisors and legal team on staff because um, the buyer on the other side have pretty experienced corporate development teams and legal staff. So, you know, us playing in the market, uh, which is uh, underserved, kind of helps our uh, clients and entrepreneurs. So all we do is technology, uh, focus on the middle market, uh, almost all M&A. The other thing that I think you and I should emphasize here is just because of our passion for this segment of the, of the market where it's the you know, middle market, lower middle market, is that I, I, you mentioned being an underserved market. We really want to be there to support and provide services and value to the entrepreneurs out there who really aren't getting the service that they deserve. And it's just because there are so darn many of them. And that's not a bad thing for us. There's enough business out there for everybody. And when you've got the smaller market and you can provide the attention that they need, hold their hands, bring in the great expertise and experience that they otherwise would have to pay, you know, multiples for, they really appreciate it. And you know what? A lot of what we do and why we enjoy doing the deals is that we get we get great favorable feedback and appreciation for these clients. So why not focus on the people that you love to work with? 
rather than working with the, the apples and the Walmarts of this world, let's go out there and there's no shortage of those clients. And the beautiful thing is they're underserved. We're ready to serve them. So um, that's, that's what we want to do. We do that on, on the rep and warranty, not only on the transaction side, but other insurance products that may be necessary and brought to bear as we did with your client. But in light of this huge underserved market, Gaurav, explain what allied advisors can do and what you bring to the table that the, the large institutional bankers, you know, aren't doing or are reluctant to do due to cost. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I mentioned, the larger banks, uh, due to their overhead and cost, uh, can't serve the middle market clients like you and I can. So for us, you know, our client success is our success. Uh, we are fully motivated to to get them over the finish line to to provide an exit to them, uh, which they worked so hard to to build the business. So the the things allied advisors can do is we can provide access to buyers and investors. You know, we work hand in hand with our clients and find out who are the right set of buyers for them. Is it a strategic buyer or is it a private equity buyer or is it a strategic buyer backed by private equity? Uh, we have done deals with all categories of buyers and, um, you know, having this access to the buyer is helpful for them. Um, you know, the, our clients are busy growing and building their business, having a banker who can do the outreach on their behalf and uh, and get them in front of the right set of buyers and investors is uh, is quite valuable. The, the other thing we can do is um, we can help them in positioning their company appropriately to each buyer group. You know, strategics will look for different things than what a private equity might look for. Even in private equity, there are some private equity firms that will look for profits, and there are some private equity firms that will look for growth. We know what the hot buttons are, what the buyers are looking for, and what are the valuation drivers for your company and sector. And having this kind of knowledge, we can help position uh, your company appropriately to get the top valuation for your company. The other thing we do is um, we also entrepreneurs like our clients. We started our own firm. We have been at bigger firms. And um, we work with a client every step of the way. Um, there's a lot of twist and turn that comes during a process, and we help you think through this. Uh, think of us as a client's uh, friend during the process. We are working hand-in-hand -hand with them for six to nine months. And then, you know, where we add additional value is we help in negotiating terms of the deals. You know, our founders and the CEOs have worked so hard to build this business. And in, in some ways, they're emotionally tied to the deal. Um, having an outsider who has kind of done this many times before can be very helpful. Uh, we can advise the founders what is market, what's not market. We can push for things the founders and CEOs find awkward asking their potential future buyer and bosses about. Uh, they also know they will end up working for the buyer slash private equity firm for two to five years, and negotiations can um, can sometimes be um, be very strenuous and and emotional, and um, you want to preserve your relationship with your future boss. So having a banker kind of manage that for you helps preserve your relationship, but at the same time, you know get your deal terms which you may not have been comfortable asking for. And last but not the least, um, you know you only know what your your value for companies by talking to many buyers. I've done many transactions in my career, 
and I've seen for the same company, different buyers value companies differently and pay value differently. So the only way you know you're getting a fair value is by doing a proper market check and making sure you're getting the best value for the company you and your team and investors have built. Yeah, I want to emphasize two of the points you made there is that this is very emotional for the buyer and to have, well, the buyer and the seller, excuse me, but for the target company is is unbelievably emotional and can distract them from their job, So, to, which is to run and grow their company, not to sell it. And so that avoids the distraction and having that intermediary between the two parties is helpful for filtering out communications, getting, um, you know, discussions going and, and getting the process moving without taking things personally. Uh, because that, as you know, is part of the process. And uh, the other thing I'd emphasize is there are very few, there are some, but there are very few first time buyers. There are a lot of first time sellers that haven't been through this. And so they don't necessarily know what to expect. So to rely on somebody that can walk them through the process, as you said, step-by-step, be the sounding board, is all the difference in the world. So give me some examples of, you know, the types of services and the, you know, case studies on what you did for these middle market companies that set you apart and just highlight how you do things because there are, I'm sure, listeners out there are wondering whether or not this is a fit for them. Yeah, so I'll give you uh, two examples. And um, the interesting thing about M&A processes is no two processes are the same. Uh, They have some common themes, but they have variations. So in one case, uh, one of my clients had uh, received an offer from a a company, and um, the company actually was an investor into uh, into my client as well. Um, so they had interest in acquiring the technology which they had built. Uh, when this prospective client came to to me, what we did is we did a look at the landscape of other potential buyers who could have interest in this company, and we quickly reached out to other set of buyers. Uh, luckily for us, uh, the technology was uh, was well received, and there was a um, a need for this technology in the marketplace. We actually got another bidder who um, who wanted to buy this company and offered um, 70% higher than the initial offer, which came from the first buyer. And wow. uh, as a result of that, um, we were able to improve the um, the initial offer from from the buyer uh, from where they started um, twice over the course of the process and uh, sold this company at a 70% increase to the initial offer. So if you look back, uh, the fees they paid for us was was uh, tiny compared to the increase in value they they got for the company. And I think the lesson learned here uh, for us was um, that you know companies, if they really generally want a technology, they are willing to pay more. The first offer is not the last offer, but you need to create competition for the buyer to sharpen their pencils. So that was an example where. Uh, you know the buyer had an inbound interest, and we were able to to use that to um, to start a process and get additional value through presence of another bidder. And then um, there was a, another company uh, which was a uh, SaaS software company we recently sold. Um, it was bootstrapped. The owner and his wife had run this for several years, and um, the company had grown nicely. It was profitable, but um, all the eggs were in that basket in that 
you know, they had essentially invested all their life saving into growing their company, building their company, but they had preserved um, essentially all the equity. Um, in this case, um, they reached out to us and wanted to um, get some liquidity, and they were not even aware of, you know, the types of folks uh, who would have interest in their company. We reached out to a whole bunch of strategic as well as private equity buyers and, and got multiple offers uh, from from both categories of buyers. There were benefits of going with strategics. There were also benefits of going with private equity firms. In the end, um, you know, given we had multiple offer and multiple options, uh, the owners were able to make a wise decision. And we sold that company at a pretty nice, healthy premium of uh, 10x multiple of the trailing revenue. So, um, so that's another example where uh, where the client was uh, extremely thrilled with the outcome. And when we talked a while back uh, on this second scenario, you mentioned that you had probably reached out to some 100 potential buyers or interested parties on this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, right. who has yeah who has time to do that? And keep all those relationships going and all those uh, lines of communication open. You can't possibly do that and and run your company effectively. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, I, I would also say, and not this is this is not to we don't mean to inject any kind of politics whatsoever in, ever into this. But it was interesting on your first example where the first offer don't jump at that first offer. I, not long ago, I was. Uh, checking out the uh, the book, The Art of the Deal. And many of Donald Trump's real estate successes came because he bought properties very, very low, artificially low, because why? Because the properties didn't go on the market. He managed to have relationships with the building owners and came in to step in and offer deals on the buildings without it going to market. Had the buildings gone out to market, he said he probably would have still been able to afford it, but he would have had to pay many, many millions more. So definitely in this market, whether you're aware of your value or not, um, it's always best to get, you know, more than one prospective buyer at the table, even even just for a look, whether it's a fit or not. Uh, Gaurav, tell me, what's your ideal client? Give us a profile of that. And then with that in mind, Give me the time frame on when they should reach out and engage engage you. Yeah, so our ideal client is ideally a company which is, um, you know, a, a SaaS software company or a internet company which is, uh, you know, growing nicely in a large market. Um, you know, I think for us, uh, we are excited to work with uh, middle market founders who are creating businesses from from nothing and you know getting revenue traction, customer traction. For us, we encourage founders, investors to get to know us early on. Um, it helps us build relationship with you. It helps us advise you on market dynamics and also when is the right time to exit. Is it better to exit when you are at X revenue or whether whether you are you need to improve your margins or or your services. Um, this allows us to take a more of an advisory role versus uh, a transaction role. And also we can kind of work with you hand in hand to find out the best way to maximize exit value for the company. Um, so so what we encourage is, you know, get to know us early on. There've been many times where we got into no clients three, four years ahead of them formally engaging us. 
we can keep you updated on market uh, insights and address questions as they come up. And then, um, you know, as you mentioned, Patrick, anytime you have inbound on the company, uh, you know, you should definitely check and make sure that they are, uh, who else could be interested in your company. I think anytime you get uh, additional offers, you, you're going to do yourself a benefit in the exit value. And then there could be situations where, you know, we get to meet founders, uh, investors where they've grown a company to a certain level and they feel that they either need to get some liquidity to cash in some of the savings or they need some capital for growth um, where it could be better suited to be in the hands of a larger buyer. So those are all some scenarios where, um, you know, founder investor can uh, approach us, engage us, and, and, and for us, we're happy to meet with folks and uh, give, us our, give them our point of view. So it helps for people, even if they're not planning on some imminent transaction or some imminent exit, is to maybe reach out and call you, get to know you a little bit, just some conversations, get some ideas, and then just have that dialogue on and off again periodically throughout throughout the, the future. And then when some situations ar- arise, you're prepared with to have some intelligent conversation. You don't have to start the relationship from, from square one. You could also tell whether or not, I, Gaurav, you're, you're a nice enough guy, uh, whether you know there's a connection there. And having a conversation here or there always starts, takes 10, 15 minutes. And I think it's a first step and it's an easy step before there's all this pressure on you where you have to do something now because you've got some need for capital or uh, you got an unsolicited offer that's landed on your desk and you know you don't know what to do. Gaurav, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, the, it's uh, quite easy to find us. Um, you are welcome to uh, go to our website. It's uh, allied, A-L-L-I-E-D, advisors, A-D-V-I-S-E-R-S. Or um, out there, you can see the contact us button. You can uh, fill up the form and one of us will get in touch with you. You can uh, find us on LinkedIn. um, And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you and uh, developing a relationship with you. Yeah, if you go to LinkedIn, it's Gaurav, G-A-U-R-A-V-B-H-A-S-I-N. That's the easiest way for some of us who are uh, not not as good at spelling on on these things for LinkedIn. Uh, that's how they can find you. And Perfect. I I would recommend you just it never hurts having a conversation. You never want to you know start talking to an attorney when you're receiving a lawsuit. It's always nice if you could meet a couple of attorneys, get some ideas just on what's out there, what the landscape, show interest in what they're doing, and you'll know whether or not there's a connection because you never know when you might need it. And if you're an owner and founder, particularly of a technology company, there's definitely going to be the need. You may not think it's now, but down the road, there's going to come a time for a potential exit and the, you could do nothing more than help your situation with uh, Gaurav on your side. Gaurav, thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. We'll talk again. Thanks for taking the time, Patrick. Really appreciate it.